Hello, and welcome to The Adrian Ross Show, a product of the BMG Network. So glad you're tuned in at thebmgnetwork.com, the BMG Network's YouTube channel, or a major podcast platform. It's time for another exemplary episode. So here we go. I am very excited today to have two special guests with me on the Adrian Ross show. And I'm actually going to step aside for a moment and allow them to introduce themselves to you. And then we're going to jump right into today's topic. So Sarah, if you don't mind giving us your full name and, and then you just tell us something about yourself. Okay. I'm Sarah Geringer. I am a fifth generation resident of Southeast Missouri Uh, I absolutely love this area. It's a great, great place to raise kids. And I have three teenagers um, and one started homeschooling this year. That's what we'll talk about today. I'm also a Christian author. I'm a podcaster like Adrian, and I'm a book launch coach and I'm a creative coach as well and an artist. So I wear lots of hats. Yes. Excellent. I'm glad to have you here. Me too. Okay. And next we have Jessica Farrar. Hi. Um, I'm also from Southeast Missouri, I'm born and raised, and um, I've been married 18 years um, coming up in a few weeks. So that makes you feel old. Um, I have a 12 year old and a 10 year old, uh, two girls. And we started homeschooling both of those um, last October, so almost a year now. Okay, good. Which is a great segue because that's what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about education and uh, homeschooling in particular. And before I go any further, let me say, if you hear me sniffing, uh, if I sound a little strange out there, whether you're watching, whether you're listening, it's it's because I, I had a procedure done yesterday as a follow-up to surgery. And... Um, it was to open up my nostrils and get some scar tissue out from a uh, brain surgery that went through my nostrils to my brain. Uh, but now it's kind of shut down a little bit and I guess got to go through the healing process again. So I'm hard to breathe. And so I sound a little bit nasally, but that's okay because we're going to hear less from me and more from my guests. Um, as Jessica pointed out, She's a homeschool mom, homeschooling mom. We want to talk about homeschooling. Those of you who um, listen to uh, my podcast, those of you who know me personally, you know that my background is in education. I taught in upstate New York, English, seventh graders for uh, almost two decades, okay? And so children are very important to me. I also coached girls high school varsity basketball. So again, young people are very important to me. And I have had the pleasure of teaching in the public school and teaching um, with educators, many of whom absolutely love children, are very good at what they do, and um, throw themselves into their work. I also work with a few people who didn't seem to even like kids, (laughs) and and they probably should have a different profession. But the vast majority loved kids and um, and are and are good at what they do, but I am concerned because things seem to have changed. Okay, somewhat the culture has changed, and whenever the culture changes, it changes. It manifests obviously in school. Yeah. These two um, these two women are 
this is the first year they've homeschooled. Okay. They both told you they're obviously moms, but this is their first year. What I'd like each to do is to talk about uh, why they chose to homeschool. And it probably wasn't an easy decision, I imagine, or maybe I'm wrong, but walk us through the process of making the decision for the first time you're going to homeschool. Sarah, do you want to start? Yeah. I mean, okay. honestly, it's been, um, what, five weeks or so. My head's still spinning. Mm. I did not see this coming at all. Um, like I said, this is my youngest. She's a freshman. And uh, my children were in private school from like their three-year-old preschool. Um, they all switched over to the public school system it was like fifth, seventh, and ninth grade. They're they're that far apart. So my two oldest are boys, and I think I just know boys and girls handle situations differently. And yes. so my daughter was going into high school this year. Now she, all of my kids are really good students. Um, all of them are very emotionally mature for their age that plays into this factor. Um, when I went to this high school, same one, my class was 285 students and we had 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. So about 800-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, now uh, it's four grades. The classes are almost 500 in size. And then you add another probably thousand faculty and staff. So it's a miniature city. And mm -hmm. so when she got on campus, she was completely overwhelmed. She was absolutely overwhelmed by the size of it because she went from the junior high with about 900 students. So about the size of school that I was used to when I was in high school to this mm -hmm. enormous Metroplex. Mm -hmm. But um, I haven't talked about this publicly yet, but I think Adrian, your show is a perfect place to do this. Um, she had a major culture shock that first week and she just couldn't take it. Um, mm -hmm. there's been a lot of controversy about the kind of things that certain groups of students are able to wear or do. And there's a double standard, I believe. And I, I love this school district, but I think there are some um, decisions that they haven't made strong enough. Uh, they haven't come down strong enough and it's hurting the good students, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that happened the first day of school, I'm going to be discreet about this. There was an assembly of the freshmen mm -hmm. and two rows in front of my daughter. Um, these boys were bullying another boy in, in the stupid things that 14 year old boys do. I mean, I had two of them myself, Nothing right. against 14 year old boys, but they are goofballs. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yes. So the boy that was in front of them that they were picking on stood up and we're talking, there were four principals in the room. The SRO was in the room, you know, almost 500 students. SRO, tell us what that is. A student resource officer. So a police oh. officer that's, that's sure. at the school full time. And this kid gets up and he punches uh, four or five people, I think. I mean, it's this, this is the first day of school. 
Yeah, and welcome he's back. Physically assaulting five people. One of them was a girl. Oh my goodness. So my daughter came home and she was just, she just didn't know how to process it and didn't mm-hmm. feel safe. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the administrator's fault. I'm not blaming the school. I think the school handled it as well as they possibly could when you've got this sudden situation on your hands, right? The the SRO rushed over there, literally picked this kid up and carried him out of the building. So, I mean, what, what else can you do, right? Mm-hmm. But she felt, she already felt anxiety going into school. Right. And then that happened two rows in front of her. And she said to me, as she's processing this, what if I was sitting closer? You know, like yeah. I could have gotten hurt for no good reason, just because this this kid had a meltdown and, um, it just turned into the snowball the first week of school. And so, uh, suddenly she was bringing up the idea of homeschool that didn't occur to me. I thought, let's make some tweaks to her schedule. Let's try to get this. And she begged and pleaded like a kindergartner who is crying when mommy leaves the first time. (laughs) It was crazy. We're talking a girl you go back on my Facebook, go to her birthday when she turned 14 in July, I said, she's 14 going on 40. Okay. So this is the first time she's acting like a three-year-old. And so I, I started to realize, wow, this is a really big deal. So it was her idea. And now that I've had some time, you know, there's some distance between when that happened and now I do think that um, the pandemic year for our older children uh, Mm -hmm. served her well in terms of transitioning to homeschool because she already had to do a year online, right? Right, right, right. Um, And that's that's easier for older kids too, not the little kids. But for older kids, it's it's kind of college preparatory, anyhow. Um, So, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So interesting that something so negative, you know, um, prepared her for this transition that she was going to, to, to need in this year. All right. I want to, I want to get to, to Jessica, but, um, I, I want to make sure I hear you right. You did not go into this school year expecting to be homeschooling at all. No. Right. But your daughter's response to what should not be taking place anywhere, much less a school, made you make that decision. So so really quickly, how long a time between that first incident to when you were homeschooling? Uh, There was a little bit of a staggered date. So I think her first week was September 12th. So about but that the end of that first week of school. Um, I had withdrawn her. So, wow. yeah, yeah she only spent time. five days in the actual public wow. school. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, what about you, Jessica? What was your, what was your situation like? And tell us how old your children are. Um, I have a 12 year old and a 10 year old. And my situation um, was not as abrupt. It was I feel like it was a long time coming. Um, the church that I go to, I am a minority uh, as far as sending kids to to, to public school. Um, a lot of homeschoolers are there, and 
um, by going there um, eight years or so, I guess, I have realized that they're not that weird. And, you know, when I was growing up, I thought homeschooling, you know, they wear dresses and the little bonnets and, you know, um, whatever. And so I just realized that they're normal people. And I, um, I was always envious, uh, um, honestly, of them being able to stay home and just our family situation didn't allow it or I didn't think that it did. I just never even considered it really, even though um, my kids needed me. And I really feel like for years and years, I hated sending them away. I hated so many things about just the drop off, you know, just, you know, you can't get out of the car and you can't give them a hug. You can't go in the building, um, which I get it. I understand all the things. There's just so many kids. They got to shuffle in there. They have to be very efficient. Um, it just, it just felt really cold. And, um, by the time I got done working, it's been 10 hours and now I have two, three hours of rushing through dinner and we already had a bad morning and now we're rushing through dinner and baths. And if there's anything in the evening, I have no time with them at all. And um, so I feel like um, God, the abruptness did happen. Um, I feel like just because God like removed the scales from my eyes, you know, as far as this goes and is like, maybe you can do this. Why don't you consider that? Um, so the thing that really sparked it was during um I guess the second year of COVID, um, my, my 12 year old got sent home because she was around someone that had it. She wasn't sick and she had to be at home for two weeks. And, um, so I negotiated with my boss and was like, there's nothing else I can do. I'm staying home with her and that's all there is to it. So I'll work from home. And so that's what I did. And I was like, well, this, this is really nice. You know, me and her sitting out on the deck doing this and, so her schoolwork didn't take but an hour a day, probably. And so um, I looked into some free curriculum that a friend suggested, and we just tried it out. And my biggest concern was at that time, my biggest concern was my younger daughter, who struggles a little bit um, with 2020 was awful, um, having to do things online with her while yep. I worked full time. Um, she was already kind of struggling and, and she, that year just, I mean, I, I don't see how she was going to make it through honestly. And her self-esteem really, really struggled and, um, or suffered because of that year. And so I thought if she gets sent home for two weeks, it's just that there's no reason to send her back to school. I mean, this is just, that would, that would be devastating. Wow. Um, that yeah. was abrupt. Yeah. I mean, so it was abrupt, but it, but it, it's like my heart had softened to the idea without me even knowing it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, well, I can do this. So, um, I negotiated with my boss to work part-time at home and part-time at, at, um, at the office and, um, it just, it worked out. So here we are. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. You're going to say something. You're going to say something else. Did I cut you off? That's it. No, that's it. Yep. Okay. So I, I, yeah, I hear the situation where where Sarah flat out said, this is what her daughter wanted. This was her daughter's suggestion, something that she hadn't considered. You hadn't really considered it because, you know, those weird people and you didn't realize even how you could make it work. But you did not say that it was your your children's um, idea. So you, I, how did your children 
uh, a jump, you know, like, did you talk to them about it? Did you consult them? Was it just you and your husband doing that? Or did you just say, this is what we're going to do? Well, I did consult them and probably too much um, because then I had made up my mind and, <laughs> and they weren't really excited about it. Um, they had some good friends at school, um, but, but good friends. And I think we're, we're really starting to realize this, that the good friends at school weren't really allowed to become really good friends because there's only a, like a 20 minute lunch, three minutes between mm -hmm. classes, you know, you really can't get a deep, real good, you know, relationship <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. So, and then my husband, um, he is, um, he, it took him a while to get used to this idea also, but I think as the years progressed, he has gotten used to the idea too. And when I, I mean, he, he always enjoyed having them during the summer. He's a firefighter. So he's off every other day. And he would like his highlight of the day was going to pick them up from school so he could play with them, you know, and go take yeah, them wherever. So and, um, yeah. So, so it was pretty easy to um, kind of talk him into it. And, um, but yeah, I consulted them and they were not, not pleased at first. But. At first. Okay. Now, Sarah, your daughter had the idea. Has she voiced any regret at all? Or I miss my, did she say, or she just totally embraced this? Well, it's been interesting because there was, she had some catch up to do. Um, and we're talking straight A student. This is what I was when I was a kid. So we are on the same wavelength. Um, one of the adjustments for her has been at home, you're on all the time. And I know this, I've worked from home for over 14 years. So we've had some interesting conversations about how you have to order your day, order your priorities, you have to take breaks, um, you have to put your work away at a certain time. So that is very interesting. I didn't know that my knowledge base would uh, come into play to help her. And also, she has said for some time that she would like to work from home. She wants to be a graphic designer, um, kind of work in the creative field, and she just doesn't really want to work in public. And so I'm trying to show her, okay, so you see how I do this and this, and then I take breaks. You, This is how, how it has to go. So I think, you know, three years from now, we'll probably look back and say, uh, that was really good training for her for what she wants to do. The, the only thing that has been a struggle for her, which really surprised me, honestly, is the classes are much harder. Um, mm -hmm. So she is saying if she gets, she's never been happy with a B in her life. She has C's in some classes mm -hmm. and she's like, I'm trying as hard as I can, but I'm like, well, you are the kind of student I was in the gifted program when I was young, you know, so I said, you're the kind of student you need a challenge, you know, so she's just trying to figure out right now. Okay, so this is a lot harder. So they offer some clubs online, and then some regional meetups. And she's just like, I don't think I can commit to anything more right now. Because I need to get on top of my academics. And so I mean, it for someone her age, it's actually very empowering 
because they need to learn how to make some of these adult-like decisions at 14, 15, 16, 17. And so it'll all work out in the end. It's just, she's still, she's still adjusting because it's just so different. Sure. And speaking of that, Jessica, you have your daughter, one of your daughters there? Yes, I do. If she want to get on camera, I'd love to ask her. Of course, I got your permission to do this. I'm not putting her on the spot. Um, Hi. (laughs) Hi. Uh, would you tell there are going to be lots of people next week listening and watching you would you do you want to tell them your name and tell them a little bit about yourself sure I'm Tasha Farrar and I'm 12 okay you're 12 what's your favorite subject in school well like from public school or now because now I have different classes. Like I take Latin and cartography, which is like drawing maps mm-hmm. and like stuff. And I really like Latin. Yeah, it is yeah, horrible. Okay. Yeah, I bet it is. So what do you think of, of homeschooling versus public school? Like I know it's an, probably an adjustment, but why don't you tell us quickly like what are your thoughts about it all what you like maybe what um you don't like if that's possible what do you think um I like homeschooling way better because like I can take breaks whenever I want and I can oh the food is way better at home I have so many friends now because um like we do p and art on fridays with the same people from church and so i know like everyone really well and i feel like now my friendships from public school i'm seeing that they weren't really good friendships they're not they're not they weren't the best and i didn't have very many Yeah. You know, I'm so glad I asked you to speak to us because there's nothing like hearing from the person who's actually, I mean, I know the parents are going through it too, but you're the student going through it and we want to hear from you because you know what, there are some young people who think I would never like it, you know, and you're an example that it can be done and you can enjoy it just as your mom and Miss Sarah are examples that they can do the thing that maybe they didn't realize that they could do either. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Yes. And you, and I'm, and you brought up a great point, which is going to be my next point, because one of the arguments ladies against homeschooling is the social piece. And I, we just heard, um, what's your daughter's name again? Tasha. We just heard Sasha say that she's she spends time PE and stuff with with friends from the church and everything. But you hear people all the time who think that homeschooling is just this horrible thing. They say, well, these kids are going to grow up and they're not going to have any social skills. And they're, you know, Sarah, what do you say to that? (laughs) Well, like I told you, I worked from home for 14 years and I'm not a hermit and I, um, on an introvert extrovert scale, I'm like 25%, like toward the in- I'm very introverted. Uh-huh. So when I go out in my comfort zone, people will say, <clears throat> you can't be an introvert. You're too friendly. You know, like, I don't see that in you, but what I'm trying to say is, um, I actually think my daughter's an introvert too. Um, 
homeschool is very conducive for the kind of environment that introverts crave because we need a lot of downtime. We need a lot of time to process things deeply and being constantly stimulated. Um, just even my boys would say this, you know, you go down the hallway and like I said, you're in a high school of 3000 plus people. And I mean, it's just, it's like those movies where there's just throngs of people in, you know, Times Square in New York City. It's like, that's what they're walking through. And none of them liked that, especially my daughter, um, just feeling like you're this one little ant in this giant marching army. And so I do feel, I love that your daughter said the food's a lot better because uh, <laughs> Warren actually likes to cook lunch sometimes, you know, and that's kind of a creative outlet for her. So it's, uh, we just can keep discovering little opportunities um, and we, um, Unlike your daughter, she does have a good friend group uh, from public school, and she's been seeing them about once a week. So it takes a little bit more effort to like have them over and stuff. But that we knew that going in that we would have to be more intentional about that. And and I enjoy seeing her friends, you know. So yeah, yeah. So, for so both you, of us. And I love that you use the word intentional because if you, I think, and I'm not a parent, I don't have kids. I'm not going to pretend to know the struggle. Okay. I just, I don't, I don't have my own, you know, I've had a lot of children over the the 17 plus years I taught, but I don't, I don't have my own kids, you know, but I know that everything requires intentionality. And so if anyone's thinking, I'd like to do this, but it's, it's going to be too hard. Well, yeah, easy is not an option. You know, it just kind of comes with the territory of anything that's worth it. And I imagine when your daughter came home and said, this is what I dealt with at school. It's worth it to you. All right. Now, um, Jessica, what about you? Because she mentioned some social things. What are some social activities and how does that all work? Yeah, so I was thinking about that. Um, we stay home Monday and Saturday, and we usually don't stay home Saturday. We usually are vis visiting friends or something, our family that day. But I mean, we have something every every day with friends. Um, Tuesday, they have ballet. Wednesday, she's got one day a week school. Um, classical conversations is the curriculum. And so she goes there, and then we go to church on Wednesday night. Um, we have a friend group, like a standing two hour, just free play. And that, I just love that. It's like a two hour recess once a week with this friend group. And there's a whole bunch of friends from mostly from church, but there's some others too. And they just really get to do whatever they can sit around and talk. They can run around. They usually end up playing kickball or something like that. Um, and there's a range of like five, five-year-olds to 15 year olds and they're all playing together and it's just amazing to see that and it's really more of like real life you have to deal with different age groups in right. you know your workplace and everywhere else so it's really that's just awesome um and then Friday like she mentioned PE and, and art and then of course Sunday we have Sunday school and church um and it's the same kind of group of friends each each day and and we just get to really talk with them I get to know the parents really well we can do you know barbecues and things like that with their kid with their their friends because I know the parents too and, and friends with them so it's just it's a good community and you know school should not be the end all and be all of, of, of life it serves a purpose public school whatever school charter school you know whatever it is it serves a purpose in life but that's not 
that's not the answer to everything. That's not the God in our lives. And so if you're expecting the school to meet everything in terms of the social and the spirit, Lord knows, you know, hopefully you're not getting the spiritual stuff from the public school because it's a trip, you know? So, it, you know, well, what about their social skills? Well, look, you got to have a choice so that you fit their personality. Sarah talked about the personality of her daughter. And that's why parents, ha- I believe, as a, and I'm not bashing the public school. I'm concerned about the public school. But listen, I taught in the public school. I'm not bashing it. But there are some, there are some concerning things, you know? And I want where my, if I had a child, I want that child to go up to a place that supports my values and also the best fit for my family. And Sarah talked about her daughter. She needs a lot of downtime and stuff. And sometimes there's that overstimulation in the public school. She knows her daughter best, you know? And then, and, and then um, Jessica, with your daughter as well, the social things and the church. And I know you both, both of you ladies are Christians. And so the church is so important as well. It's not all about all oh, the school, the school, the school. I mean, the school is one aspect yeah. of the life in the child that God has allowed you to steward. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah, and I think, I think it's easier now uh, than when I was her age. If I had had this option, I would have taken it. Because I didn't adjust well from going to a private school to a large public school. I never got over that transition. So if that had been available to me, um, but that we nobody was talking about that in Southeast Missouri in 1991. Are you kidding me? There was probably like 20 kids doing it, you know? So I'm really grateful that we have this option because for us, uh, going to a private Christian school for high school, which we do have options in this area was out of the question financially. It just wasn't even on the table. And so this was really our only option. And I'm very grateful that, that we had it. Mm -hmm. She was so excited. She got this giant box of books and materials and stuff. And it made her feel, it still feels like school. Right. Um, But she loves, uh, pretty much being able to stay in her pajamas and <laughs> yeah. know, do her morning zoom calls. I mean, I, she really likes that. Well, this all sounds really good, but let's, you know, we know that none of this I'm at, well, I imagine none of this is without challenge. So I'm going to ask you to think of what, and I want you to concisely say it, like a word or a short phrase, the greatest challenge overall to homeschooling. And again, you've only, you're only a few weeks in, right? But what have you found to be, what have you found to be the greatest challenge? Jessica, why don't you start? Um, my greatest challenge has been deciding the type of homeschool that I wanted, um, because there's so many different ways to homeschool. There's the online school, there's classical conversations, there's unschooling, which I read about. And I feel like different kids need different ways and they don't all need something that looks exactly the same. And I have two very different kids. And so just knowing Uh, the right way to homeschool each of them and and pick that right way and stop reading about it and just do it. (laughs) uh, Yeah, just do it, right? That's really good. Imagine being, you know, as I experienced in a class of 30 people and trying to teach to every, you know, to everyone. And then you throw in special needs and gifted and all that. And you're trying to figure it all out. So yeah, it's, it's, it can be tough, I imagine. Um, but okay, Sarah, what about you? What's the greatest challenge? 
Uh, gosh, it's knowing how much to let her do herself and how much to involve myself. And that's, um, I mean, I probably get eight or 10 emails a day and I'm like, do I take action on these? So I think that'll work itself out in time. But again, at the age she's at, it probably is better for her to have more on, on her. I remember telling my boys when, when they started high school, I'm like, I'm not going to look, you know, like this is high school. Like Mm -hmm. you're responsible for your own stuff. I'm not going to keep asking you, you know, what your, what tests are coming up or, you know, I'm not going to log in every day and check your grades. Like, right. You want to be treated like an adult. You have to act like an adult, you know? (laughs) So, but still, you know, I just, since we're here together all day, I just wonder, you know, is there, am I doing too much in her life? You know, I don't want to, you still have to let your teenagers kind of spread their wings. And so that's kind of a, a day-to-day um, struggle I'm still figuring out. Okay. The greatest joy. And Sarah, you can continue because you're talking already. So we'll just go from your greatest challenge to your greatest, what's the concisely, what's the greatest joy of this? You know, my daughter had to make some brave decisions that I can't talk about publicly Um, And I'm just very proud of her that she took it upon herself Mm -hmm. to uh, go for what she wanted. I didn't have that in me at 14 years old. And I think she's going to be a very strong woman someday. And it's, it's very gratifying to see a glimpse of that in her now because of, because of her moxie that she used to make this choice this year. Yeah. Good. Excellent. And you, Jessica greatest joy um just the relationship between the sisters and myself has blossomed so much uh where used to we would argue and fight over the bathroom and you know that sort of thing all day every you know the time that we had together was always hostile it seemed like (laughs) fighting in the car fighting in the bathroom Um, and so now they get to play and their break is usually playing. They cook together, they play together. Um, it's just amazing. And I feel like I I've given them their childhood back. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So if you had, we're going to wind down and because I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to have someone else coming on who's been doing this for a while and she'll share her story and they do, um, and they, they, I saw on, on social media, they'd gone to Pennsylvania, I think, and they, and they did the field trip and the whole thing. And I don't know how you guys do it, but she's like, when they cook, it all counts toward their homeschooling, like every single thing that they do. She said, well, we'd be doing this anyway, because I'm training them to be adults, you know, but it all goes towards that. And so, um, but she's got a lot of experience. And so if you were to ask someone, if you have a question, if you don't, you don't, but if you do. Of, of, of someone who's a veteran homeschooling parent, what advice would you ask, if anything, of someone who's been doing this a lot longer? Um, I have a lot of friends that homeschool and have homeschooled for a long time. So I talk to them all the time okay. and I'm, I'm constantly picking their brain and um, I find great comfort in hearing them say that they shouldn't have worried about this or they shouldn't have worried about that. And um, that just gives me 
a lot of hope that it, it really is going to be okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Any questions that you have, um, Sarah? Well, what we're both talking about is how will this help her get scholarships? Because, you know, when you're in, in public school, you get involved in lots of clubs and organizations and things, and that's not necessarily available to her in the same way. Um, so that's kind of weighing on both of our minds, but I have some veteran friends. I can ask about that. And also she loves to do her own online research. So just let her go. Let her look yeah. it up herself. Good. Excellent. What curriculum are you guys using? Um, we're working with MOVA and that they use the stride curriculum. I believe okay. I'm answering that correctly. I wanted to ask because if people are out there listening and they're thinking, what do I look into? Jessica, what do you got going? Um, we use the classical conversations with Tasha, the 12 year old. Um, so she's in a program called Challenge um, and it's for seventh graders. Um, and then my youngest daughter is uh, more of the unschooling where we're just teaching her how to cook and clean and take care. We just got a puppy. So she's all responsibility is on her taking care of this puppy. And, um, and I read to her and she, she does crafts all day. She never unplugs her hot glue gun and we're just kind of letting, letting her go. So completely different sides of the spectrum as far as how to homeschool. Uh, so kind of testing them both out. Excellent. You know, um, uh, years ago, a friend of mine, uh, a very good friend of mine, my, uh, known each other forever, went to college together. She was on my birthday episode um, a couple weeks ago. And um, she always said, I want my children to be in the public school when they were younger. They're grown now. I want them to be in the public school, you know, as a Christian, she and her husband, pastor, et cetera. She said, I always want them to influence the, the the culture the school the atmosphere and everything and then when they got to go and got to school she had them in christian school and she said you know so i reminded her of that and she said you know i i realized that my kid was not going to be the sacrificial lamb you know and so i want them to have that foundation and then you know maybe they'll move to the public school because that school ended at eight grade eight and uh, but i want to train them up i want them to have that foundation they are not going to be their sacrificial lambs to try to prove anything you know we have um we can always be a light wherever we go i and i'm not again against public school it is an option for some people but i am hi hi <laughs> now tell us your name tess tess right yeah, you look so much like your sister who looks so much like your mother. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. But I, you know, um, public school is a fit for some people. I, like I said, I had um, Sarah Payne was talking about education. She comes from a family of educators, you know, a household of teachers. And she was talking about how taxpayer dollars, should, you know, the public school's not going away. She's a product of the public school, et cetera. And it's very good for her, her son who um, has Down syndrome. And there are things that there are no options there in Alaska that would be best for him. So it's a great fit for them. It's not so much the, the teachers that we sometimes have issues with. It's the, the unions and all that other stuff. That's a whole different political conversation. But public school's not going away, but also school choice. And people being able to use their taxpayer dollars to, to, to do to decide what's best for their children. 
I just know that where public school is concerned, and I'm not bashing it once again, I taught in the public school, but you know, this agenda, this critical race theory and this uh, transgender stuff, and you can have a sex change without telling the parents and trying to get the kids to hate the country, the, the, this revisionist history and, you know, and dudes are in the girls' locker rooms and the bathrooms and, you know, it's, um, and people getting busted for trying to indoctrinate children. Again, most teachers are not doing that, but one is too much. And uh, it's, and it's not, there's a lot of that going on. It's, it's, it's just a concern. And I want to encourage parents to consider, I know there's some who love to homeschool and hearing your story is an encouragement, you know, and they think, well, maybe I can't do it or my kid's not going to like it or that your testimony to what is possible. Easy? No. Challenges? No. But I also hear you say there are great joys and benefits also, you know, and so whatever fits your family, I believe you should have that choice. And, um, and you want education that supports what you value most and the well-being of your children. So I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's going to be an encouragement. Any last word before we um, say goodbye to everyone? Sure. I, um, I really liked what you just said about, um, you know, sending your kids into school to be a light. I used to pray with my girls um, every morning to be a light and to, and I would send them in and, and that was their mission to be a light, but th- it's just too, it's too much. It's, it is so dark and they are, they're so young. They can't, they, they're impressionable and um, they're going to be a light when they get bigger and they're a light around their friends. Now they're a light around their family. They're a light around my husband. And like, they, they have plenty of chances to be a light. They do right. not need to go into the wolf pack and be a light there at this oh. age. You know, they just oh. don't need to do that. Um, and I have friends in the public school. I am not bashing them. They do the best oh. that they can, but from higher up, there's books sent down and absolutely in the most padded public school that I thought was never going to be affected by this woke nonsense. It is there and it is affected. And, um, it's, it's scary when my eyes were opened, I could see a lot of things that were happening that I never really allowed myself to, to see before. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good words of wisdom. Sarah, do you have any last comments? I would say um, if you if you see your kids struggling or if they're bringing up this idea, you just cover it in prayer. Um, the week that this happened, I just put a generic prayer request on Facebook. I need prayers for clarity and wisdom. And I mean, oh. I was blindsided, but because hundreds and hundreds of people were praying Yeah. And I felt peace about this transition and something this big that's that really is affecting our kids' lives so much. It really needs to be covered in prayer and it will make that transition more peaceful for you. Excellent. Excellent way to stop it, both uh, to end this particular episode, both of you being a light, having that prayer shield. So, so important. Keep doing what you're doing. God bless you. I um, I have the greatest respect. Uh, obviously for teachers, but even more so for parents. So thank you for being on the Adrian Ross show. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you so All right. much. All right. God bless you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks. I am now with Kristen Coons, who is another homeschooling mom. And in fact, I consider her 
a homeschooling expert. Actually, I consider her an expert on a lot of things. <laughs> and um, I am really glad to be able, Kristen, to talk to you today about homeschooling. Just spoke with two new homeschooling moms. You're more of a veteran. I want to start, though, with you introducing yourself to us any way you want to, and then we'll dive right into the topic. Uh, okay. Um, I am a military wife. My husband's a disabled veteran of 20 years. He is almost out of the military and we are very excited. Um, and then I have four children. I started homeschooling six years ago when my school changed their layout and they started making classrooms, 32 kids to a 36 kids to a classroom. And I asked my, for my son not to be in that classroom because he struggles with downtime. So with 36 kids, you're going to have more downtime. And uh, they refused. So I pulled him. And then uh, I pulled my other two children out during the pandemic. Um, and so I've been homeschooling them for two years. And now I'm homeschooling my uh, four-year-old in kindergarten. Okay. First of all, I want to say how much we appreciate your husband, Ed, for his service to the country. Um, such a blessing. Thankful for that. And thankful that he gets to move on now to something else. I know you are. Okay. Homeschooling. First of all, I'm going to ask you just a really blunt question. Okay. Do you have an issue with public school? I have an issue with most public schools, but the same issue that I have for some private schools is some, um, um, you know, very expensive private schools, Montessori schools. My issues are not directly pointed at public school. Okay. But for the most part, I'm very unhappy with public school. Okay. And tell us why. Well, hmm. I'll explain it this way. When I, we, when I, my son homeschooled fourth and fifth grade, and when I pulled him out, I found a lot missing, a lot of things that I felt he should know and that they had kind of just passed him through because he was an average student. So in sixth grade, I put him back in. He wanted to go back in. I said, okay, we'll try this again. See how you do. And it was awful. It was awful. He, uh, I, I found him like them just pushing him through math, even when he didn't get it because the whole class had to move on on the problems. And, and so they would, so then they would just push him through. And I really had an issue with that because he needed more help. He really struggles in math. And so I went to the school and I said, I think he needs a tutor or after school, or can you tell me what you're doing so I can work with them at home? And they were like, here's what we're doing, but he can't have a tutor. Halfway through the year, he's still struggling. They would not give him after school. Finally, I sat down with the principal, like, I don't know, six, seven months into school, you know, like January, February. So not six, seven months in my mind, that's seven months in. Um, and and they were like, well, I guess maybe we'll do the tutoring. And what I found, and I've talked to a bunch of parents about this, is that if you're a student that uh, excels, I was a student who could easily do well. Um, mm -hmm. I loved learning. I memorized things very well. I did well, mm -hmm. even without trying. If I had tried, I would have done much better. Unfortunately, I was lazy. <laughs> but so um, those lazy students- Lazy and smart. Listen, lazy and smart, that's a dangerous combination. Yes, it really is. <laughs> Um, so, so I, so those students do well because they want to do well because they, they're smart and they work well. Then you have the students at the bottom and not that they're not intelligent, but the ones that are struggling, like my younger son, my younger son, Levi is, um, he's 12 and he's gifted. He tested in the top 15% of the state, but he has an IEP. He has oh. OT, PT, speech, um, 
uh, severe ADHD and a sensory processing disorder. Those students get a ton of services because it's required by law. But then you have the students like my son, Nate, and he's in the middle. And because he's average, he can kind of get by with a 70, 75. They just push him through. And they don't. My biggest issue with any type of schooling that is to the test, I would say, is that they don't push kids to be the best in what they can be. And what I mean by that is that my son, Levi, is obsessed with science. So this year, he's doing two science curriculums. One is a hands-on with a chemistry lab. No, he's in seventh grade. So it's a chemistry lab component. And then the other one is a general science where he learns um, uh, the weather, atmosphere, all of those type of things. And, and because I know he's really good in science, I doubled up on his curriculum and he's loving it, even though he's doing double the work every day. Whereas if I had doubled up his English, I would have a very unhappy student. And with him, we're always struggling and working hard on students, so on, on English. So I feel like homeschooling can much more individualize to the student and where they need help. And I also think you can push kids into their giftings that God's given them. And this is something that's really been on my heart recently that um, we have a friend whose son struggled really, really poor, really, really bad in school, like could not pass, was constantly trying to pass. He got into the BOCES Questar program here, into the carpentry program, and he yeah. absolutely excelled all A's. Mm. And yeah. he found his gifting. And now he's becoming a missionary over in Africa because he found his gifting. Yeah. And I feel like homeschooling pushes kids, can, if it's done properly, push kids into their gifting that God has given them. And isn't that what we all want? Yeah. I know I'm always saying, what am yeah. I going to be when I grow up? I want to be in the gifting <laughs> God gave me. So. Still wondering that. Still wondering that. Now, I have to imagine and correct me if I'm wrong. You said six years you've been doing this total? Yes. Okay. I, I, have, I, right, I have to imagine that transitioning from the public school, you went to public school, right? Yep. I graduated from public school. Right. Public school. Your kids were in public school, right? Yes. Okay. So I have to imagine that the transition to the idea of homeschooling was a little frightening or am I wrong? Uh, it was frightening and exciting at the same time, but I will say that I, I, it took me a long time to get to the point where I wasn't modeling my homeschooling after public school. Ah. Like my husband would say, they need to be up and dressed at 7.30 and sit at a desk and and be doing their book work and I and I struggled because I was like well then what's the point of homeschooling like if we're not if we're going to do what the schools are doing what are we doing um Ooh. but you know after I would say probably a year and a half or so I was like nope that's it we're we're going to do a model like we we read out on the trampoline we read on the swing we we're in our pajamas you know what I mean like we yeah. really cater learning to I want them to love to learn, you know, and you can't love to learn if you're sitting at a desk for eight hours a day answering questions on a standardized test. You just you just can't. Well, some do, but I yeah. guess that's the point. I guess that's the point with the choice that you have. Right. For what fits, what fits your your family. Right. Right. Yeah. OK, so it was a little bit frightening. And at what point did it stop being frightening or has it? Uh, I think that there's always an element of uh, feeling like 
am I teaching my kids well enough? As in, people will pop quiz homeschool kids, but they won't pop quiz public school kids. They'll be like, so how many states are there? So who's the president right now? I don't see them ask public schools, any of these kids. It's kind of like they want to, like, how are you doing? Are you doing well enough? And um, so I'm always mm. like, or one time my son said to my mom, homeschooling is so much easier than public school. And I was like, like, mm. like, oh, he just threw me under the bus. I'm not doing a great job. But, mm. um, you know, God has grace through it all. And, and that's where um, I know I'm called to do this. I, I could be out. I, my husband says it all the time. I could be out making big bucks right now. I could be working a full-time job. I do work a full-time job on the weekends, but I could work a much more lucrative job. I could send yes. my kids to school and not pay for all the, the certain, all the things that they do during the week, the horseback riding, the music lessons, all of those things. Um, but at the end of the day, like 20 years from now, am I going to care that I had all that money or care that I had that time with my Ooh. kids? It's and it's not question. a condemnation yes. of anyone who public school, who does do public school, because that's, what's right for them. Um, right. But I do think that I get to integrate God into everything that we do because they're with me all day, including apologizing for my bad attitude because I'm not a morning person. So. Right. Yes. You know, you just, I'm just watching you um, and some are watching, some are listening, but I'm watching you and listening. And I noticed how you, you know, you, you spoke of certain people's attitude toward homeschooling. It came out even in your voice. There is among some, this negative attitude. My, one of my guests earlier, she talked about how the process that she went through to decide this is what she was going to do. And she's around a lot of homeschoolers from church and, and stuff. And she said, but she originally was like, those bunch of weirdos, you know, and stuff like that. Obviously, she doesn't feel that way anymore. Why is there such, have you noticed that there is a certain you know, like, what are they learning? Like trying to quiz them or the certain stigma or something attached to homeschooling. And if so, why? So there was a much bigger stigma before COVID because no one ever considered homeschooling their kids unless you were a Christian or you could afford it for, or there was a special need. Most people don't homeschool. They do private school or they do public school. Even, right. even, um, even a lot of Christians. Then COVID mm -hmm. hit. And there became, it went from those weird homeschoolers to those superhero homeschoolers because people started homeschooling. <laughs> and I want to be very yeah. clear that virtual schooling was not homeschooling, but there did, we did lose that stigma. But it, my favorite thing to say about, it's like, it's become my favorite saying about homeschooling is it amazes me that people, uh, you went to public school, right? I did, yes. So you and I both went to public school. And, and, and of I course have, I taught. And of course I taught. Right, and you taught public school. school. Right. So mm -hmm. these people who went to public school and graduated public school think that they don't have the ability to teach their children what they learned. So mm -hmm. how much faith do they really have in the system that they're saying, sending their kids to? Like yeah. I have, I believe that I, I know, I think that high school is, is tough. Don't get me wrong. I'm teaching my son algebra right now. I happen to be phenomenal at math, but yeah. it's tough. Um, yeah. And I've had to get some tutoring for him. Um, and thank goodness we know people that can help us. Um, but at the end of the day, I learned all of this. I passed and I graduated. So if I can't right. teach it to my son, then I don't want to send them to the same place that I couldn't learn enough to teach. And I, it, it really... That's almost where I can run the aisle on that one. 
Because that's that was too good. Yeah. Say, that well, again. Say that again, please. It just flowed out of my mouth. I don't know if I can, but but <laughs> I, I say the concept again. Why would you want to send your child to a place that you graduated from and you don't feel adequate enough to teach your children what you learned? It just doesn't. Right. It doesn't, and I have so many people who are like, I'm not smart enough to homeschool and I'm not this enough. Well, you know what? My son's taken apologetics course and I learned so much in that course and it counts as a full credit. And they're taking uh, American history. I love American history. I'm a little bit of a nerd. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm loving the stuff I'm learning. I do think curriculum matters. I think that, you know, what you, you know, if you're just going to stick them in front of a computer all day, I don't think yeah. that that's a, a good model. And I I am not one of the people who believes that there um, are no bad homeschoolers. Like there, I I personally know a, a family who said they were homeschooling and never homeschooled their kids. And it's a real, I mean, I, it's very rare. People are going to sacrifice to homeschool their kids. They're going to do a good job, but mm. it does happen. Um, and I, I can't find a way to navigate that, to, to stop people from not homeschooling their kids adequately, adequately without um, going against my libertarian side that says the government shouldn't be involved in anything. It's a, it's a sticky situation. And also we're very involved. I think I've told you before, we're in 126 kid co-op. I teach a life skills class. We're very active in the church. Uh, my kids are, are scouts, not boy scouts anymore. They're scouts. Um, we have horseback riding lessons, all that. Yes. Now I gave, I gave the thumbs up to this to the fact that I was just having a conversation earlier about the social aspect, because that's what I would hear all the time. Well, how are your kids? They're not gonna have social skills. How are you gonna? And we had this whole conversation just about what you're saying. School is not the end all and be all. It's the, it's the environment that, I mean, there's church, there are other things. It's not like, well, if they don't go to school, they're not gonna talk to anybody, you know? Yeah. So yeah, also during COVID, um, they were with plastic around their desk six feet apart and they couldn't throw a ball to each other. It, tell it. Okay. I mean, I mean, I'm just Excellent like, point. what? Where was your social? At my school uh, here, you couldn't wear a backpack. You couldn't go to your locker. You couldn't share a ball. You couldn't sit at lunch together. None of it. Yeah. You couldn't sit in a bus seat together. My kids go to a co-op. They go to scouts. They go to church at least one, though twice a week. Um, mm-hmm. They're in music lessons, horseback riding lessons, and. And now I granted everyone can't afford that, but there are free opportunities out there. We go to every like museum free day. We go on field yes. trips. Um, yes. I have never, ever once been worried about socialization. I, I think it's the stupidest claim to, uh, you know, to not homeschool. I mean, I understand right. the concern um, and, mm-hmm. and maybe there are parents who don't take their kids out like that they should. I just mm-hmm. don't know any of them. Mm-hmm. And I know thousands of homeschoolers. You just made me think of something. I'll talk about the social things. I know this has been a conversation for many years. I don't know where that conversation sits now. But I know that there were times when homeschooling children wanted to participate in public school sports. Is that a thing now that is allowed? Is that still a controversial thing? Like, well, if you don't want to go to school here, then why are you playing? And what are your thoughts about it? So 33 states have what's called the Tim Tebow Law. And the Tim Tebow allow, law allows any student to participate in school as long as, you know, a lot of schools have different re- requirements, like their paperwork's in. Like here we have to do quarterly reports or your quarterly reports in. Um, okay. So any like p- in Pennsylvania, where we want to move, 
you can do anything with the school if you're a homeschooler, anything at all. You can participate in the BOCES program. You can do chorus. You can do gym. You can do anything. In New York, you can do nothing, not one thing. I paid $6,000 in school taxes last year, and my kids can't participate in even one thing. There's a bill that passed the House to allow kids to participate, uh, but um, it didn't go through the Senate, and you have to be vaccinated. There's no religious exemptions, and that includes the COVID vaccine if that mandate's in effect at the time. Mm. So, like, our state, you couldn't play sports last year if you weren't vaccinated for COVID. Why is New York... I just looked at my, my Facebook memories just came up and one of the, uh, I can't remember if it was a podcast or a column that I did. And it was like, New York needs its own planet. Like why, what's up with New York and California and all this? No wonder people are leaving by the droves. Oh, it's really bad here where how the people are leaving. But what New York really needs, everyone is in this whole mode of, oh, let's split New York state. Let's split the city. What we really need is an electoral college. We're just as, New York itself is just as diverse as the United States. It's as farmland and city. So if we have an electoral college where each county got so many votes per population, because I think think Cuomo won three counties total out of all of the New York counties. And and the other problem is that uh, conservatives don't get out and vote. Like we actually, conservatives actually outnumber um, Democrats in New York state for as far as elect um, registered voters, but they all think they're going to lose. So they don't get out and vote. So then they lose. <laughs> wow. Church on Sunday, my pastor even actually talked about, and I don't remember the numbers, but he talked about the percentage of Christians who don't vote. Yeah. Scary. Um, but anyway, awesome. this is why, this is why you need um, your podcast back up because you've got so many good things to say. All right. We talk, yeah, we talked about New York having, you know, kind of hindering some opportunities for children. But I want to ask you this question because I asked my last two guests, I said, if you could ask a veteran homeschooler, homeschooling parent a question, what would it be? And um, one thing that came up that one per, that uh, one Sarah Geringer is trying to work her way around. She's having, she's having a great experience with her 14 year old uh, homeschooling for the first time. But scholarships mm-hmm. and she recognizes that that's it's a challenge and I guess she's trying to figure all that out I don't know if you know anything about that at all but what about these parents who say well my kid is a talented this that or the other but we don't have the same opportunities and they're scared about that so so my kids actually won a scholarship last year not for like college but um they they um entered an essay contest for patriotism and okay. they won first and second place. We uh, had Ann Knapp, who is an English teacher, has been tutoring them and she did a fantastic job. So they got money for towards homeschooling. Um, but there, there's a scholarship right now. A lot of people don't know this. There's a scholarship right now through the VFW for $35,000. And it is oh, an wow. essay on patriotism and an audio file. And it's available to any, anyone. Wow. It's not like a lot of people think like when I was in high school, I got a couple scholarships just because I applied for them. I didn't have great grades or anything, but I applied and I wrote essays and I'm a pretty good essay writer. And mm-hmm. there is no like you can go to as a public school, as a homeschooler, that parent can go to the guidance counselor and say, I want to know what what um, scholarships are available and I want to know how to apply. And the thing is that schools, 
the schools are awful. They don't, 99.9% of them don't want to help homeschoolers out. Do you know why? Because they lose the money on them. Like every single one of my students that isn't in that school is 15 to $18,000 not sitting in their pockets. So you multiply yeah. that times four kids, that's a lot of money. So they want to, you know, disincentify, what's the word I'm looking for? They want to discourage you from homeschooling. They want you to be there. And I actually just had this fight with my school because my son wants to go into the Questar program for mm -hmm. learning um, technology and computers. And they told me he can't go. And I said, well, why not? And they said, well, it's the law. I said, show me the law. And they said, so they sent me the law. There's nothing in the law that says he can't go. It just says the school won't pay for it. The school has to choose to pay for it. So I said to the school, well, why won't you pay for it? And they said, well, we're not required by law too because he's not a registered student. And I said, so what you're saying to me is that you would deny a child an opportunity to learn and grow as, and, and to learn a skill that like a life skill, like literally he could go and have a degree with this because of $6,000. And what they do is they, they contract with the program so parents aren't allowed to pay for it on their own. So they, they, they put that in their contract. So they want to penalize you. And the, I'm great. I'm part of, I don't know if your other guests mentioned this, of an organization called HSLDA. And they're the Homeschooling Legal Defense Association. It's $120 a year. But if you run into a problem, they represent you. So I called them and talked with their lawyers and I got all the advice. And then I wrote my school back. So I have to go before the school board now to fight for my son to have this money. Um, but also they give you all of the forms to fill out for your paperwork, mm -hmm. which I used to have a little bit of pushback with my paperwork. And ever since I got the HSLDA paperwork, every letter is you're in good standing. You're in good standing because they know you're, they know you're represented. They know you're represented. So they want right. to, and, but you and know, everyone should be in that. Right. What you do, which I know is a part of your, I mean, I know your things change as your mom, you become even more feisty, but I know it's a part of your personality anyway. Right. <laughs> but what you are saying to me represents what's so important. And I, as I said to the last guest, I'm not a mom, you know, I don't have children. Um, I over 18 years had many children, but I sent them home, you know, when I was <laughs> done with them. So I know it's a difficult responsibility. Um, but it's, it is a responsibility to know what the heck is going on and to be engaged and to be in the fight. You can't fight for your kid's best interest if you don't know what's going on or if you allow the system to make you sh shrink back because, well, they have the degrees and they have the position and I don't. And so let me just sit down and shut up. You can't, especially now in the public, and I'm not bad, like I said, I taught in the public school. I'm not bashing the public school, but I find some things concerning right now. The agenda and all this other stuff that's going on, the social stuff, the, you know, the transgender stuff, the hate America stuff, the critical race theory, the boys and the girls, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And indoctrination is up. And again, I do believe the vast majority of teachers are not into that stuff, but one's too many, right? Yep. And so you have to know what's going on and you can't be told to sit down and shut up. And I just interviewed uh, Sarah Palin and she, she was on last oh, yeah. week. So yes. And, you know, she, as I told the last guest, she comes from a family of teachers, you know, she is advocating for the public school. Yes. But also for school choice, 
you know, and she was talking about how, you know, sometimes parents are rising up because you go to these board meetings sometimes. And if you say anything, you're a domestic terrorist and that's threatening to people. Yeah. Too much is at stake right now for that. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a slow fade. And that's the problem is that people have let things slip through and they didn't pay attention. Like in 2019, when they took away their religious exemptions, everyone said, oh, it won't affect me. No big deal. And then COVID hit and they all went, oh, my gosh, I can't use a COVID, a, a religious exemption for the COVID vaccine. And everything in me was like, I tried three years ago to get you to fight with me and you wouldn't. And now fight now, fight with me, because like our our kids, it's bad. Like New York is bad. There's a bill on the table right now that any child under 21 can approve their own medical procedures without a parent's consent. I know. Yes. What, like what world are we living in? In New York state, they just passed a law that you can't buy whipped cream if you're not over 21, but you can go and get a shot or you can go and go on permanent birth control, or you can go and get a major procedure done without a parent who is then liable for your health and has to pay your insurance and pay if something happens to you. And I think I never wanted to be this person. I never wanted to be the fighter. Um, I really didn't. I just, I'm not, everyone thinks I'm confrontational and I, I don't enjoy it. I just, I get really fed up at injustice. You know, like this isn't right. I'm yes. not going to stand for it. And I think I love that meme that was going around that said like, you know, for Christians, like David did have to, yeah, David prayed, but he also picked up the rock. Like, Come on now. You got to do something. And if I feel like um, there's uh, I did a podcast on it a while back about uh, with Paul when they said do evil for good, like just just participate because good comes out of it. And the and God is very clear that we are not to participate at all in evil, like even not, we're not even supposed to touch it. We're supposed to run from it. And I feel like so many Christians are so wrapped up in everything else going on and just trying to survive and how tough the world is right now that they're not getting empowered to come and fight. And there are a whole group of Christians who think that Christians shouldn't fight. And I don't know yeah, where right. that comes from. Well, I am not one of them. It comes from deception too in this, you know, but I heard something recently. I don't know who was speaking, um, but he was, I don't even know if I, I might have posted on my stories, but he was basically saying that if you are, when, when it's time to fight, you know, um, and, and it's talking about Christians, you're you're in the wrong space if when it's time to fight you're speaking peace you know there is a time to fight to stand up and fight but some people think that somehow they're more spiritual if they just say well what will be will be and um that's not gonna work but anyway okay so let me um as we wrap up here i want to i want to know about your curriculum what curriculum do you use so 90 percent of what we use is a curriculum called master books um, mm-hmm. I found my friend was using it. I checked it out a couple years ago. It's, it is, I just personally think it's one of the best curriculum curriculums on as a whole on the market. Um, so all of it is Christian based. So even in the math, God's in it, his words in it. It talks about when it talks about slavery, mm-hmm. you know, which is such a hard subject. It talks mm-hmm. about God's grace and how we use people with the underground railroad and, and how he comforted people. And it tells people different stories. Um, and it's all like, um, like, uh, books that are, it's not like just a textbook. Cause it's like books that, uh, here, let me show you. So here is, this is my daughter's book. She's in eighth grade. It's called men of science, men of God. 
And on mm-hmm. the inside, it talks about all these Christians that were, because we we take a, cre- a creation view of, mm-hmm. um, of the world. And it talks yeah. about all of these Christians who were scientists and glorified God through it. Because it, there's this narrative that if you're a Christian, you're an idiot because you believe in creationism. And no one will teach these kids because it's not allowed by the Supreme Court to be taught in school anymore. No one will teach them that creationism and evolution are both theories. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Christian or not, what they're unprovable because you can't go back so they're a theory either you believe god created the de- the world in six days or you believe that it it evolved over millions of years but either way you, you you've got a theory there and i i love that this curriculum takes the creationism view but then also teaches kids the evolution side so that they know their argument and that they're critical thinkers i don't mm. want to raise kids who are christians because i'm a christian and i don't want to raise kids who who just say what I say, my kids all the time will be like, Oh, this is, this is this. And I'll be like, well, why do you feel like that? Well, you said that and you said this. And I'm like, well, but tell me why I want to know why I want to, I want you to be able to back up what you believe, because if you can't, someone's going to knock you off that horse really quick. And if you're not firm in it, not even just the word, but other things, like if you have a point of view, you got to know the other position as well. And so Mm many, um, liberals and and conservatives are in their little boxes do you know what i mean like they only watch fox news or they only watch cnn and they never cross over so they don't get any any perspective of anyone else and they can't form their own opinion and that's one of the classes we're going to be doing with life skills is how to critically think how to and this is seventh to tenth graders how to process information i i think that um it's so important to first have that foundation of faith yes. that you instill into them and then teaching them alongside that, how to think critically, you right. know, you know, you don't, you don't, I know you don't start off, whatever you want to think, you're going to teach them as for me in my house. Right. Yeah. And then become critical, those critical yes. thinkers. But I'm also a very factual person. So I, when I became a Christian, when I got saved for the first like 10 years, I thought you could be a Christian and believe in evolution because God just created the word world more slowly. Right. Because that's what a bunch of Christians told me. And then I realized that if there was death before Adam and Eve, like the death of animals over millions of years, then why would Jesus die? Like, you know, like, oh, gross. You, you are, you are so, this is so like, I'm like, ah, there's a reason why I'm So what I'm saying is, is. Yes. Yes. I think it's great to get that foundation. And I didn't go to my kids on day one and say, here's evolution. Here's, here's creationism. Pick a point. I, I got, you know, my kids know the word we, we were in the church. We, um, you know, we read the word with them. We pray with them, you know, and we live it. So that's the best that we can do. Um, but at the same time, um, I just really want, this is a different world. And like, it's different from when you and I grew up, it's very yes. different this technology makes it very difficult and it's rough. I mean, there are kids who are peeing in a litter box at school right now. I and, know. And if my kids can't speak truth in the midst of that, then mm. I feel like I failed and they can't mm. speak truth if they don't know the truth and they can't know the truth if they haven't questioned the truth. So I just, that's my goal in homeschooling is to raise kids who are independent thinkers and not kill them by the time that they graduate. That's another big goal. Of mine. <laughs> you know, survive the homeschooling. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, I think your your children clearly are uh, being taught to to think because you're a thinker, 
and to, and to stand up and to fight and, to, and all those things, all those lessons are so important. And so I just want to commend you for doing the oh, hard work. Thank you. You know, there's a hard, and I know that there are people out there who, who think about homeschooling and they just, how do I do that? I don't know. And so that's why I wanted to talk to people. I, I, um, public school works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. And people should have that, those options before them. And uh, some feel that they, well, I can't afford this and I can't afford that. And, and that's a, another topic as well. But um, have you ever homeschooled or considered homeschooling people who are not your own children? For other I temporary homeschool temporarily homeschooled uh, a year and a half ago someone who moved here at the very end of the year and I just let her do my kids curriculum with us there is a growing uh, need here or a want for what's called micro schools because uh-huh. all of the Amish lost their schools when the religious exemption came down they got shut down completely and so mm-hmm. in order for you to not qualify like and the religious exemption I don't know if you know applies to public school as well about uh, private school as well there's no, no religious exemptions for daycare, preschool, any, anything. So for anyone under 18, there's no religious exemptions. So there is a growing need here for people who want a micro school. And that's where you would all go and you would get together and each parent would teach a class or you could bring someone in. Um, and it is legally allowed, but you have to be careful. Um, I don't know if I've ever considered it. We've talked about maybe doing two days a week at our co-op. And then mm-hmm. what everyone realizes is they love that they don't have to go every go somewhere every day of the week. Mm-hmm. You know, they love that they get up and they have breakfast with their kids and they do their schoolwork. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think that, but I am, I'm very happy with Sarah Palin, a big proponent of school choice. Yes. And I think that a lot of issues would be, I think a lot less people would even homeschool if there was school choice because school choice is capital, a capitalistic um, idea. Because you're, you're going to choose the schools that are better, and they're going to get more money, and then they're going to get even better, and the schools that are bad are going to get. Well, yeah. Well, you're hitting exactly on what she talked about. If you have, you know, uh, if you haven't watched or listened, no, to that, I haven't please got just to watch talk. it yet. Yeah, she talks about the fact that competition makes exactly. everyone better. Yeah, makes everyone better. So that's so so important. Okay, any final words about homeschooling? A word to people who are considering it. A word to people who are already doing it anything at all as we wrap up this episode? Well, if you're considering homeschooling and you're overwhelmed, I would encourage you to reach out to Adrian. I'm sure she's got her information when this podcast goes out and she will refer you to me. I have another friend who is very big advocate for homeschooling who actually ran all the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're currently homeschooling, I just encourage you to rest in God because you're always going to feel like you're not enough. You always feel like that as a parent in general. So why not not be enough at home with your babies? <laughs> like, <why> not? <laughs> you're not, I love you're that. Not going to not be enough. Might as yeah. well be with them all day and not be enough and drive them nuts. And you got to stop looking at what your kids are missing out on and what you're giving them. Because I can tell you, I don't know any homeschooling students who get in their 20s and 30s and go, my mom was horrible that she homeschooled me. I, everyone oh. I know has said, I'm so appreciative of what my parents put into me. And there is a way financially. I work full-time weekend nights. My husband works full-time weekdays. And I do not make near what I should make. I love my field, but I, I took a shift that's very, very low paying so that I could be with my kids during the week. There are ways to make it work. There are people in the community who will help you. There are church members who will help you if you will reach out. Um, but you got to take the step and trust God in it. 
Beautiful. What a perfect way to end this episode. I am so glad to have had the two ladies before you and you on the Adrian Ross show. You've got so much to share. And as she said, any questions you have or anything I can do to help, I will figure out how to pass you on to her <laughs> and, uh, and we'll get the thing worked out. Thank you so much, Kristen, for being on this episode. God bless you. Keep up the good work. You too. Bye. Such an important episode this is, so important, and I cannot encourage you enough to share this with someone or some many ones, if you will, because I know there are people who need to hear what they have to say, people who are homeschooling, who need the encouragement, people who are thinking about it, who need the encouragement. Just people who want to learn about it. It's so important because our children are of the utmost importance. So thank you for tuning in to this. I'm going to call it another special episode of the Adrian Ross show. And would you please go to the BMG network.com and check out the other podcast there. You know what I'm going to say? They are informative, enlightening, engaging, and yes, often entertaining. The BMGnetwork.com. Go check it out. Also, go to a major podcast platform and leave a rating and a review, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you may leave a rating and review. And give us your best, your best rating and review, please. I appreciate it. I will catch you next time on The Adrian Ross Show. God bless you abundantly. The Adrian Ross Show was produced and edited in the BMG studio. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod. Find more episodes of The Adrian Ross Show at thebmgnetwork.com and major podcast platforms. Be sure to tune in regularly. You don't want to miss even one episode.